Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Hey, have a seat. Welcome to River Valley. It is graduation season. Do we have any uh, that are graduating or their families in the house? Raise your hand, Brent. I see you. Nice. Give my hand. Yes. Listen, half of the credit belongs to the student for the hard work. But, well, actually, 25% of the credit belongs to the student, right? But 50% belongs to the parent who at least once in life, oh, I got a project due in the morning, you know, and had to run to Walmart at midnight. Or just fact, just the matter of you didn't kill the kid. I mean, you know, you're so congratulations to those who are graduating. Now, I want you to think, uh, you know, as, as I got this, as I was thinking about my own graduation, uh, many, many years ago, I remember uh, we went to uh, our graduation ceremony. The first thing they did was line us all up. They made us show that we had pants or something on underneath because two years before me was a super wild class, and evidently somebody graduated naked. And so, uh, so they 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 checked that out, and then and then we're sitting down. At one point, we knew we couldn't do that, so. I was looking at one of my friends, and he was, I could see him shuffling. I was like, what is he doing? He took his pants off, and, uh, and then when he uh, shook the uh, superintendent's hand, his pants just dropped out, and he left, and that was it. And that was his big claim to fame. Just crazy enough, a few years later, he was in jail. Uh, who knew, right? And so, so... As you think about, though, you think about the difference in my, in my generation or, or when you were, and, and the, the, the students who are graduating now, and the exposure that they have to the world, there's just no comparison. I mean, you know, the students who graduated now have had total exposure to everything from a very, very early age. I remember, you know, I remember when I was in school, like, you had to decide if you were going to buy a tape or a CD. And then, you know, when CDs finally took over, you had to buy all of your tapes on CDs, you know. Well, that's not, no one owns music anymore. Now you rent it. You've got Apple Music and Spotify, and you have, you, you don't have to choose a, a type. You can choose everything. And so you can listen to uh, all the way back. You can listen to uh, John Lennon and the Beatles. You can listen to Ozzy Osbourne, and you can listen to Taylor Swift. And then you can switch over, and you can go with George Jones, and then George Strait, and then Garth Brooks, and then Chris Stapleton. You can choose across the board. You don't have to listen to a certain radio station that plays a certain type of music. You get all of the influences all at once. You don't have to pick uh, one type of uh, TV that you can watch and hope that you're home so you don't miss it. I mean, if you had advanced or, you know, HBO and things like that, you had to look, oh, my show is coming on at 730. I got to be home. Now you can, you can watch everything all at once. And it's a very, very different way of doing life because the influences have come completely on our students. But the one thing that's the same for all of them is this. At the end of the graduation, Man, they are going to, you know, have a great night, and they're going to throw their hats in the air, woo, 
they're going to immediately take these robes off because it is hot as fire out there. And so they're going to take some pictures with their grandparents and parents, and everybody's going to be happy. And then they're going to go off. They join the military. They're going to get a job. They're going to go take some classes. They're going to move off for college, whatever it is. The thing that we all have in common in that moment is this. You decide at that moment what your philosophy of life is. Now, most of us, it's not a conscientious choice, and we certainly don't write it down. But all of a sudden, all of these influences over the years, all of the things that you've heard, your parents saying things. My mom was a, my mom was a nurse, an ER nurse. So my mom used to tell me all the time, always wear clean underwear in case you're in a wreck. I mean, that she did. She, and so I was like, that's good advice. So I always wear clean underwear. That's just a rule. But my dad, sometimes he would tell me, don't do something stupid. I didn't follow that advice quite as much. And so, so you've got to decide your life philosophy is basically the grid with which you decide on how you're going to act, on what you're going to do, how you're going to speak, and how you're going to think. And the students that are graduating now have a tremendous smorgasbord or buffet of life choices to choose from. They have all of the music and all of the TV. They have all of the, the philosophies and cultures and religions of the world available to them. And they're going to have to decide. That's very much like the church in Corinth. See, in the ancient Near East, most people lived and died with their parents, doing what their parents did, believing what their parents did. Everyone around them would have been the same color. Everyone around them would have spoke the same language, doing the same things. You would have basically repeated your parents' lives over and over again, but not the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth has two ports, and they have all of the world literally coming to their doorstep. It brings all of the philosophy, all of the languages, all of the cultures, all of the religion. So they've got to decide, like students today, what's my philosophy of life with an amazing amount of information to choose from. So Paul writes the book of 1 Corinthians to them to tell them, I want to encourage you today to use this as your cornerstone, to use this as your guide. Of all of the things that you can learn from the world, I'm going to challenge you, he says to the church in Corinth, to use the Bible as your guide. You're going to be confronted by things that disagree with this, and I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you, just like Paul challenged the church, to use the Bible as your guide. And I'm going to show you what options you have, because we're going to talk, as we talk about growing in our maturity, you're going to have to learn how to make a philosophy of life that truly, truly matters in your life and in the life to come. So since we're talking about the Bible today, I want us to stand as we read God's Word. I'm going to read it uh, with you, and so we're going to stand. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. And as we're done, I'm going to say, this is the Word of the Lord, and I'm going to challenge you to say back to me, and we believe it, okay? So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 says, for the Word of the cross. Knows the whole, oh, we reading it together? Awesome, here we go. All right, here, so, all right, I didn't, the first... First service didn't do that. All right, you guys, all right, so yeah, they were barely awake. All right, so, but what? Look at the, the word of the cross. That's what we're talking about. You ready? Verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is the power of God for us who are being saved. 
For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Where's the one who's wise? Where's the teacher of the law? Where's the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believe through the foolishness of what is preached. For the Jews ask for signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Gentiles, and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is wiser than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. And we believe it. Amen. You guys sit down. You did great. That was great. I only wish I had that plan. So, so all right. So, so, basically, the Bible says, and Paul says, look, here's the deal. The Word of God, you've got to decide what the Word of God is going to mean in your philosophy of life. Everyone's going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to decide where it fits in your overall thinking within the way that you live your life. You have been exposed to it, so you've got to look at it. So he gives us several options, and he says these different groups, and he makes them examples of how they do it so that we can know, okay, here's an option. Here's what some people do. Let's, let's be honest about it. The first one are the Jews. The Jews, he said, they look for signs, but the cross is the stumbling block. So option one of how to deal with the Bible is this. You take part of the Word of God or the Bible as your guide. You take part of it. The Jews believed in the Bible. The Jews had the Old Testament. The Jews, even today, will teach Christ was a good man, a philosopher. But here's what they won't do. They won't take Christ as the Messiah. They won't take Christ as dying on the cross for their sins and being resurrected from the dead. Verse 23 in that passage says this, that the cross is their stumbling block. So they take a good part of the Bible, but not all of the Bible, as their guide. That is an option for you. I think it is pretty prevalent in our day. You don't find it as much outside of the Bible Belt, but in the Bible Belt still we have this, this need to like not just abandon it because there's, it's so influential and church and Christianity are still very, very influential where we live. So, so you don't want to totally abandon that, but then there's so much new taking over that you have to decide. And a lot of people choose, well, I take the Bible, just, just parts of the Bible. The most famous illustration is this. This is uh, Thomas Jefferson. Uh, I saw a, a replica of this recently, actually, in the, in the Museum of the Bible. And this is what he said about his Bible. This is what he made. He said, the life and the morals of Jesus of Nazareth. But look at that next word. Extracted textually from the Gospels in Greek, Latin, French, and English. So here's what Thomas Jefferson did. Thomas Jefferson said he believed the Bible, but Thomas Jefferson, every time that he came along in the Bible and he discovered a miracle or something that happened that was supernatural, he literally would get a knife and cut out those verses and then paste the, red, the, the, the rest together. And we still have a, a copy of that Bible, the originals in the Smithsonian. So he took and he extracted from the Bible that which he wanted, the part that he liked, and the rest of it he took out. Now, what's interesting about that is that he took out the most 
famous and important miracle of all, which is the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in the tomb. And the Bible says that he was resurrected on Easter Sunday. Some of you started coming last week on Easter Sunday, and you're back this week. Way to go. Man, God is resurrecting your life. It's the most important miracle. But Thomas Jefferson cut that out. And the Bible says if you do that, just go home. Man, this isn't worth it. The whole crux of Christianity stands and falls on the fact that Jesus was God and proved he was God in his resurrection. And so if you don't believe that, you are literally, the Bible says, wasting your time. Go home. You cannot take part of the Bible as your God. You must take all of it. And the problem with that is there's parts we don't like. There's parts that hurt. Let me give you uh, an example. We're going to go just a few uh, pages over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 9 and 10. It says this, Don't you know the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom? So what's he going to do? He's going to list some of the unrighteous, the people who will not be in heaven. Here's what he says. So don't be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, males who have sex with males, no thieves, no greedy people, no drunkards, no verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Uh-oh. Did you find yourself in the list? I did a bunch. I have done many of those sins many times. And I'm not talking that, you got to admit, that's not the little list of like, oh, one time I, I uh, you know, disobeyed my parents when I was a kid or I said a curse word. That's a pretty big list. And I have done most of those things on those lists multiple times. And the Bible just told me I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God. I've got a big problem. I've got real issues going on because I've chose those things over following God's path many times. And the Bible just said, I will not inherit the kingdom of God. Oh, what am I doing? Why can I stand up here and talk about this with confidence and with grace and with a smile, knowing that the Bible says that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ah, the Bible is so good at this moment in that it gives us verse 11. Verse 11 says this. Put that up there, please. Oh, very good. And some of you used to be like this. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The Bible says some of you used to be like this. You used to do these things. You used to long for these things. You used to choose these things. You were a drunkard. You were an idolater. You were so many of these things. You did deceive and lie, and you didn't deserve the kingdom of God. But that's not you anymore. Jesus has made the old new. Jesus has washed your sins. And the great thing about it is, some of you kind of, when I read lists like this, you'll kind of, you know, do this. Look up at me. Look at me right now. When you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible says he takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. It is gone. It is finished, Jesus said. He has forgiven you and set you free from those sins. Now, let's be real about how this thing works out. 
if you did those sins into your adulthood or you got into those sins for a while, you are probably going to struggle through not going back to those sins. I get that. I'm not saying that once you get saved, you're like, man, I'm done. Sin no more. Your spouse knows different. All right? Your children can come and tell me afterwards. Yeah, you're not living it. Yeah, but but here's, the, here's the deal. We don't identify with those anymore. We identify with who? The Lord Jesus Christ. That is my past. That is not who I am. That is not with who I associate with. That is not how I wear myself anymore or introduce myself anymore. Now, here's where I'm seeing this greatly, greatly assaulted in this text today. No one's going to argue with murder. No one's going to say, you know what? I'm kind of on the fence about murder. I just, I don't know. You know, there's some people, right? Like there's some, right? You know, but here's where I find it over and over again is people that come and say, I am a gay Christian. I'm a Christian, but I'm a homosexual. And we just read in that list that homosexuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, be careful with the amens because we'll amen yours as well. Be careful. Listen, I want to tell you something right now. And I want you to hear me very, very carefully. If you are struggling with homosexuality, welcome to River Valley. We are so thankful that you are here. We want you to meet the God that forgave us for the sins that we did on this list. And there is a lot. And we will start with me. But we will not take part of the Bible that says, you know what? That's not a sin. That's not... Because we don't take it for the rest of that list. We identify with Jesus Christ and we let Jesus through the Bible define what is sinful. Define what is wrong and define how we should live our life in the passion, the passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. So be careful that this is not how you approach the word of God. Ooh, I'm keeping this passage. I love this passage. The blessings of God. I am, man, I am keeping, I'm probably going to underline and highlight some of these passages. I need this. Oh, I love this passage. This passage right here is the mercy of God. When I mess up, God is merciful and gracious. He gives me another chance and he forgives me of sin. I love that. Uh-oh, I don't like this one. This one really confronts me in the way I'm living my life right now. So you know what? It's easy. I just get rid of that one. I believe in the Word of God. I just don't like that part. That's what we do in our day when we take part of the Word of God. We're performing a Thomas Jefferson. We're just not famous or the president, but we're doing the same thing. Be careful when you take a part of the Word of God and you say, well, I can be this and this. God's Word gets to define who we are, who he is, and how we should live our life. Be careful with that. The Jews have the cross as a stumbling block. The second group are the Gentiles who says, the Bible says, it is foolishness for them. So your second option is to not take part of the word of God. Your second option is just to reject the Bible as your guide. 
You just reject it. This is also very, very easy within our day. I find it more uh, on the extremes of the, of the United States as far as the coast. Uh, they, tend, they tend to kind of adopt new thinking first. It filters down, but it's, it's definitely here in Bastrop as well. And it's people who just say, you know what? The cross is foolishness. Why do you talk about a God dying for my sins? What sins? I'm not that bad. They, 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 practice, compa- uh, they can practice subjective comparison. I can compare myself to other people who are way worse than me. I'm fine. I got this. It's no problem. Look at this guy over here. I am so much better than him. I listen to true crime podcasts all the time, and evidently there are four million serial killers in the United States right now. I'm so much better than them. And so we compare ourselves to the the worst of society and think that we are okay, or what's even becoming more popular today is just to change the definitions where anything goes. Just change the definitions where you say, you know what? We're going to change the definition of marriage. We're going to change the definition of gender. We're going to throw out the old, and we're just going to call that foolishness, and we're just going to change all of the definitions and the way that we talk. That way, I can decide on my God, but that verse that we just read identifies the sin that we are doing when that happens. And it is a very old-fashioned word, and we don't think we do it, and we do it all the time, and it is idolatry. It is idolatry because you look in the mirror and you go, there's my God. There he is. Man, and I'm going to design my religion how? On how I think, on how I act, on what I do, what I believe. My God sits in the mirror, and I don't need to change anything because he's right there, and I act like him all the time. And if I don't like it, I can just change definitions till I do. And we have to be so careful when that happens because we are rejecting, the Bible says, we are calling the word of God foolishness. And we're just laughing at it. And we say things like, you do you. We say things like, what's your truth? And it works when it's yours and yours and yours, and you can all just decide. But here's the problem with that. If we have no standard of outside objective authority, then the standard becomes internal authority. I used to think that this really wasn't going to happen. But I witnessed to a guy 20 years ago on a plane. And he basically, you know, like, I just decide what is true. And I I started bringing up some of the extreme cases. Like, well, you can't go crazy. I was like, people do. Like, what's okay? Like, you still have some boundaries, but some don't. And they push them all the time more and more and more. And so we have to be careful with that. We have to be careful that we don't take part. And we have to be careful that we don't reject. Now, time out for Christians. If you are a non-believer, if you are new to the faith, listen up really closely because I'm about to make sure that the Christians are doing right by you, all right? Because here's where I think we fail as Christians with this group is that we tend to, we get afraid of the changes that are coming. It is, it is a very new day, isn't it? We get afraid of it, and therefore, how do we respond to it? In anger. We hate people who think this way. We get angry with those who do not vote like we do. We get mad at those who do not take the word of God and some of the old ways of doing things that we hold so dear and precious, and we are violently angry with them, and that doesn't win anyone to Christ. 
Guys, without Jesus, they are perishing. They are lost, the Bible says. They need salvation, the same salvation that you and I received when we were far from God. So first of all, be kind. Remember the example of Jesus on the cross. When they crucified him, they spit at him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And Jesus looked at them as they were mocking him and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The Bible does not read, and cussing back and spitting back, Jesus said. We got to follow his example, don't we? We've got to follow his example. So number one, be gentle and nice. Number two, you will not win the world of Jesus Christ by getting them to be like you. That verse we just read said, you preach, we preach Christ crucified. Show them Jesus. Show them how much he loves them. Show them that he died on the cross for their sins, that he set them free. When you do that, then guess what? They will come into faith and they will begin to change and they will, their ideas and their philosophies and the way they live their life will begin to change over time and we will be patient with them as that happens and they will take the Bible as their guide. But if we try to get the Bible as their guide first, we'll lose a generation to Jesus. We need to bring them to Christianity through preaching that Jesus loves them. He died on the cross for their sins to set them free, that Jesus can forgive their sins just like he did us. And when that happens, we will see them change over time. It's the way that we are supposed to do it. Quit trying to get them to act like you or think like you or vote like you. Let them know who Jesus is and how much he loves them. And for those of you who are in the room right now that are saved, listen, Jesus has washed you and set you free. You do not have to live in the guilt of the fact that none of us have done the sermon perfect up to this point. None of us have lived this perfect life where we can say, go get them, pastor. All right, we can't. All right, you know, instead of the rest of us are like, oh, it got real. Uh, I mean, you know, and so we've got, man, we are washed. And that's the way I can, that's why I can stand up here and talk this way. My friends, my family who know me know that I'm not living this perfect standard, but know the forgiveness and the sanctification of Jesus Christ. The third option that is laid out for us is that the Bible is wise. Therefore, I choose the Bible as my guide. I choose the Bible as my guide. The Bible says, in this text says in verse 19, that, that it will destroy the wisdom of the wise. It will destroy the wisdom of this world. First Peter chapter 2, verses 24 and 25 says that the world and its inhabitants, the philosophies and the religions of the world, said they will literally melt away in the last day. But the Word of God will live forever. We will actually have the Bible in heaven. The Word of God is eternal and will live forever. And it will melt away the philosophies and the ways of thinking of this world that are incorrect. And so we can be assured that if we choose the Bible as our guide, we are choosing eternity. We are choosing to live a life that is pleasing to Him that will be rewarded in eternity. It also says about the Word of God, when we choose the Word as our guide, that it is um, strength and power. That we will exhibit a strength and power of how we live our lives, not in ourselves. We will say, I am powerless, but God's word has power. And in fact, it has so much power that the strength of this world is, is not even equal to God's weakness. God gives us strength and power when we read his word. The Bible also says it will give us wisdom when we choose it as our guide. 
It will show us how to live. It will show us. Wisdom is, is, is knowledgeable action that you do something. It will show you how to have a marriage. It will show you how to do finance. It will show you how to raise children. It will show you how to live for him. My, my, my mentor used to say, as Christians, we outlive them, we outlove them, and we outdie them. I mean, it shows that as Christians, we live better, we love fuller, and we die with a smile on our face knowing where we're going. That's who we are as believers. That's wisdom to know that we live according to the Bible as our guide. And finally, the Bible says this, that it will give uh, the word of God, says about himself, that is wise unto salvation and eternal life. God will give you eternal life. God will give you a home in heaven. He will adopt you as a son or a daughter in Jesus Christ. But you have to make this choice for yourself. You've got to choose how you operate and how you live within, how you uh, uh, think about the philosophy of your life as according to the Bible. As according to the Bible. You've got to make that conscientious choice. Most of us don't. We just kind of, kind of, go along, but you've got to make this choice. And the sooner that you can make it, the better your life will be and the more like the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm going to give us today in our prayer time an opportunity to do just that. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet uh, for our prayer time this morning. And we're going to read a few statements together, and this is going to be our prayer. And then you're going to be able to, to pray this among the people around you. But you've got to make these choices. The first choice is the one that, that the sermon has been based on. It's, it's this, I choose the Bible as my guide. I choose the Bible as my guide. Say that with me. I choose the Bible as my guide. Now, if you say this and really mean it, then you understand that there's going to be moments where it's going to directly conflict with who you are and what you want. That it is going to show you sinfulness. That it is going to define what is right and wrong, what is good and perfect in this world. And that there will be moments of disagreement between the world and what the Bible says. And you, when you say this, you are understanding that and you're saying, I still choose the Bible. I choose the Bible as my guide. I will live with the Bible as my guide. Here's some good news for you today. If you don't have a good readable Bible, guess what we have for you at the end of service? Man, we have some Bibles for you just like these. Not this one. It's missing a few pages. Uh, <laughs> that, that'd be horrible, wouldn't it? You know, you're like, and then they went to the tomb and, oh, no. Uh, you know, I don't know how it ends, you, you know? So we have whole Bibles for you today. Whole Bibles for you today as soon as you go out. But I want you to choose the Bible as your guide. Not just in philosophy, but in Sunday morning and hearing it explained. And Monday morning as you get up and you do your own Bible study. We can help you with that through our Connections class. We would love to help you to understand your Bible. It is not some sort of mystical, magical book that is inaccessible to you. God wrote it as a letter of love to you. He really and truly can show himself and reveal himself. So I'm going to invite you to choose the Bible as your guide. Number two, I'm going to invite you to choose Jesus as your Lord. Choose Jesus as your Lord. I choose Jesus as my Lord. I understand now that I have sinned. I understand now that that list of sins, that I have done so many of them, and I'm continually tempted. And Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe that you truly are the God of the universe, that you truly have died on the cross, that you've been buried in the tomb. And now, here we are on this side of Easter. You're risen from the dead. 
Jesus, be my Lord of my life. Say that with me today. I choose Jesus as my Lord. That's what it means. Number three, I choose the church as my fellowship. Say that with me. I choose the church as my fellowship. See, this book and this sermon is written not to you or you or you or you, but is written to us that you can see God's grace and mercy so much fuller in the context of the local church here in Sunday morning, in your group of friends that meet during the week, in your service as you serve in our community and in our church. These are the ways that you say, these are my people. Man, I love you guys. You are my people. I love you so much. And I'm so thankful that God has placed me here at River Valley. And I'm so thankful for you and that I get to do life with my friends. I get to do life in a place that I love. I would choose River Valley. I would choose Bastrop. I would choose you. I love you guys. I thank God that I get this place. I thank God that he put me here. Thank you, Jesus. I choose the church as my fellowship. So today, here's what we're going to do. You can make these. Now, we all repeated them. That's fine. But but prayer is not this mantra that you just repeat. (laughs) Now, I'm going to challenge you to not just repeat them, but to mean them. Now, I'm going to challenge you to say, you know what? I really, I want the Bible as my God. I want God to speak to me. I choose Jesus as my Lord. For some of you, here's a word from the Lord for you. And I don't say that lightly. Uh, I don't say that flippantly, but I was sitting out on my back porch yesterday. I was doing my Bible study. And, you know, normally I'll go through a good bit of Scripture and pray through it and everything. Yesterday it was two verses, and I just got caught up in the whole time. And Jesus said, today is the day of salvation. And Jesus said to me to tell you that some of you, you've you've sat there on this, this, ah, quite a while. Today's the day. Today is the day of salvation. You can literally say, I choose Jesus as my Lord, believing that he died for you and he rose from the dead, and verbally saying, Jesus, save me from my sins. Today is also the day that we are able to ask God and we are able to confess to God, I want to live for you. I want to follow the Bible. I want this to be my home, these to be my people. So I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to repeat these together. And then I'm going to invite you right where you are to pray them together. Because I want to show you one more powerful, powerful verse. Put up Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. But if it doesn't please you to worship the Lord, choose for yourselves today. Which will you worship? The gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River? Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living? Joshua tells the people, look, I know some of you, you remember back in the day of Egypt and your parents, they, 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 they kind of uh, uh, played around with some other gods. And I know that the place that we're living in right now has other gods too. So he's, he's identifying with us. I get it. A lot of philosophies are coming after us. I get it. The Bible understands that. But then what does Joshua say? He says, but as for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. We will worship the Lord choose you this day. You've got to make a choice. If you are a leader in your family, a spiritual leader as a dad, a leader as a parent, man, you just say, you know what? We are choosing today. And I'm going to invite you at the end to pray these prayers and just to pray them over uh, the people in your life. So put those three uh, verses, uh, or there you go. And I'm going to pray for us. Then we're going to repeat these. Then you're going to pray, and then we'll close out in worship. Here we go. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the word of God. I love it. 
God, I love it. And I just thank you that you gave us the opportunity to hear from you. I thank you for Laura Singer who taught me how to study the Bible. God, I thank you for my pastors who preached out of it. Thank you for my dad and my grandparents who gave me Bibles when I was a little boy. Thank you. God, we choose today that the Bible is our guide. Father, thank you for Jesus as Lord. I thank you that he has set me free and forgiven me for my sins. And I pray for those who are deciding this morning, will you give your life to Jesus that they will repeat loud and proud that Jesus is my Lord. God, I thank you for the people in this room. God, I thank you for those that, that we are here today and we gather around our friends and our family. And this is, this is a wonderful, beautiful place with wonderful, beautiful people. Thank you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.